This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I am joined today by Lance DeWine. Did I get your last name right, Lance? You sure did. Awesome. Awesome. So Lance, for those of you on the podcast, you will not have met him before, but he is one of the newest members actually on our staff team here at Cornerstone Church. And so Lance is joining the kind of pastoral care and equipping team, but with a special emphasis on a ministry that we uh, have at Cornerstone called Celebrate Recovery. We'll talk more about that in a second, Lance. But first off, we want to hear about your story a little bit. So I want you to give us the Lance DeWine story. And we don't have two or three hours. we got like 20 minutes here, brother. So <laughs> I know this could be a lot of layers. There's so much good work God's done in you and your family. But why don't you give us a little bit of your story? Yeah, so I was uh, I was raised in an, an absolutely unchurched home. Uh, about as far away that you could be from the church is where my family was at. Um, my mother was a victim to... A, an abusive uh, drug addict and alcoholic father who uh, just continued to have toxic behavior that uh, just spread all over my my mother, myself, and my brother for uh, really the first 16 years of my life. Um, I always kind of found an out from that through sports. Sports was my way of getting away from that. I was uh, Always into all sports, but specifically baseball. When I was on the diamond and putting work in, it just kind of seemed to shut everything out. So sports was really the first idol in my life. Um, and then when uh, one day in the midst of uh, just life in general, my mother woke me and my brother up and told us that she had just dropped my dad off at work. Uh, the abuse had rather than subsided, had really gotten to an all-time high and that she was going to be moving us three hours away from everything that we'd ever known and loved and that we had to go right now. Um, so we did. We packed up what we could and we uh, put it in a, in a U-Haul in a truck and we moved three hours north from uh, southern Iowa. I was born in, I was born in Iowa City, so... I'm unapologetic about that. <laughs> Do you still root for the Hawks? I mean, Lance, you're in Ames, brother. I know. I'm not going to shame you. Like, we have people on staff who root for the Hawks still, you know. But <laughs> I do root for the Hawks, uh, football specifically. But, you know, I when I was the, did my – I was asked a few questions to share about myself. I said that that's up for negotiation, but my St. Louis Cardinals roots will not be up for negotiation. <laughs> So lifelong Cardinals. But look, man, we'll give you first year on staff. As long as the Hawks and Cyclones aren't playing, you just got to root for the Cyclones. That's all. I do that anyway. So that's easy. Now we're just going to give you a few years. I'll introduce you to some of the guys. You know, you'll start to actually care about them as people. That's what happened with me. So, okay, back on. So we'll forgive the Iowa City roots, but continue on with the story. So, yeah, born in Iowa City, and then I always say that I grew up in Burlington, Iowa, and the reason I say that is because we we lived in about, I think I counted it up, it was 
12 cities and seven school districts uh, before I moved up here to Waverly, Iowa. So when I was 16, uh, we, we packed up the U-Haul with my mom. We moved up here. She actually lived in an abused women's shelter in Waterloo for the first three months of our time here. Since I was 16, uh, it was actually in the rules that I was unable to stay there. So my mom and my brother stayed there, and then I stayed with a cousin in Cedar Falls. That was early summer uh, when I was uh, after my sophomore year, and then uh, my junior and senior year, I attended Waverly Shell Rock, which is where I graduated from. Um, When I moved from Waverly is when I was exposed to drugs and alcohol, really for the first time. when I was with seeing my dad's behavior, I kind of wanted to stay away from it. But the truth is, is that I found a, a coping me- mechanism through drugs and alcohol. Um, got in mixed up with the wrong crowd right away. Uh, so kids at home, when your parents tell you they don't want you mixed up with the wrong crowd, they mean it. They love you. Uh, that's real. And um, started drinking and, and uh, smoking marijuana on a daily basis. Um, I was able to graduate high school and then started working road construction the summer after I graduated and then was, uh, quickly became an, an addict to hard drugs, uh, specifically methamphetamine. That behavior continued, um, with the hard drugs and, and stuff for about five years. Uh, when I met my wife, um, was around the same time that one of my best friends went to prison for, uh, he got a 20 year sentence for manufacturing. Wow. And, wow. and, and I watched, uh, his children, which, uh, the one son of his was my godson get taken out of his home. So, and the about the same time that my wife, Amanda and I were meeting, that was going on and she had a no hard drugs policy. So the Lord really worked in that. Um, unfortunately I did not quit drinking or, uh, using marijuana, but I was, I was able to put the hard drugs aside. My wife and I, um, things picked up speed pretty quickly. And, um, by what I mean by that is we started dating in, uh, May, of 2005. I think I proposed to her in September and we were married by uh, November 4th. Wow. November 4th, 2005. All right. Yeah. yeah. Six months time span. And, you know, I had proposed to her and then about two weeks later, um, we had found out that there was a baby on the way. And I always love to share this story. Um, because she said to me, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have a baby and not be married. I'm not going to have a baby and not be married. And I said, okay, well, that kind of narrows our window. You know, I was thinking about a year down the road, but we got time. And then she said, and I'm, I'm not going to be fat in my wedding dress with a big baby stomach. So I said, well, you better start making some phone calls. And, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, we got what a story. We got married about six weeks later uh, at the uh, at a, the little brown church in Nashua, and um, 
the first seven years of our marriage was uh it was up and down you know we had a lot of really good times but i didn't know jesus so i didn't know how to love her or lead her um every example that i seen of a father was and a husband was extremely broken and damaged um and i was i was using i was drinking every day and um participating and using drugs and uh she eventually over time grew tired of that and uh, i don't blame her you know i um one night uh i went to a uni wrestling meet and i came home and i think i told her i was going to be home at like 8 30 or something and it was probably closer to 2 30 a.m so she was very frustrated, uh, rightfully so. And um, she started in, and I didn't want to hear it, so I went and laid down with my son. And then I woke up to an empty house. Um, she had packed up the kids and enough clothes, and, and she, she took off. Um, and at first, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and took it as an overreaction and just basically thought selfishly that she'd get over it. But I called my mom and, and um, I was talking to her and she said something that I'll never forget. And as I was talking to her about my wife's overreaction and just uh, how this could, you know, easily she could just come back and it's not a big deal. Um, because what had happened was when I went to sleep, she went through my phone and found inappropriate texts to another woman. And uh, that was just kind of the icing on the cake. So as I'm talking about her overreaction to my mom, my mom says, uh, you know, maybe she is overreacting. That's her decision to make, not yours. But I thought you would have figured this drinking stuff out two years ago when you buried your dad because he died of alcoholism at the age of 52. Wow. Wow. That's, that stung. Um, I think to be honest, I didn't react to it. Well, I actually, if I remember right, I hung up on her. I took it as uh kicking me while I was down, if you will. But, um, I went from that moment to kind of sliding down in front of my couch and just bawled my eyes out. Uh, for hours and it was uh, just me and my dog in that lonely home and uh, for the first time in my life I cried out to God Um, you know I like I said I was raised in a very unchurched home but I never doubted the existence of God I never bought into the evolution of things and I always being kind of a a nature-driven guy. I always knew that something had to have made a world that can be this beautiful, right? Wow, yeah. And the only way I can describe that, Mark, is that um, looking back on it would have been the first kind of encounter with the Holy Spirit in my life. Because as I said some generic prayer, you know, I don't know if you're there, God, or if you even care, but I I can't do this anymore. Um, what I can only describe as an audible voice in my mind, uh, I heard the two words, stop drinking. 
And every hair in my body stood up and I just sat there in fear. And uh, to that point by God's or to this day, by God's grace, I have not um, had a drip of alcohol. I've been sober for nine years almost. And uh, wow, that is incredible. You know, I started going to AA right away and got plugged into uh some wonderful Christian men God put in my life. And uh, one of them I worked with, he became my sponsor pretty quickly through AA. And he tried to tell me right away, you know, and this is a spiritual journey, Lance, he said. And I was like, yeah, whatever, man. I just need to quit drinking. And he, he, uh, he really likes to laugh about that moment as he looks at my life now. But uh, <laughs> I went to AA for... About a year, actually, a little over a year. I got my one year, one year chip, and um, it was actually a misinterpretation on my on my end that God began to speak to me through His Word. A guy at my first meeting told me I needed to go to meetings and I needed to read the Big Book. Well, in my mind, the Big Book was the Bible. So that's what I did. I went home and I read the Bible. I started in the New Testament because uh, I was always told if you're going to read the Bible for the first time, start in the New Testament, which I think is pretty good advice. So this went on for about six or eight weeks. And then I went back to one of my meetings and they started talking about the big books and we we're going to read from them and get them out. And I noticed that everybody had these books that weren't their Bibles. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> uh, and uh, the gentleman, he he got a huge chuckle out of that. He's like, you thought I was talking about the Bible? I said, well, yeah, it's a big book. You know, yeah, and, totally. It's a huge book. I thought for sure you guys, that's what you were talking about. Um, clearly not. But through that, God really created a hunger for his word. Um I'd been sober about 10 months and uh, just kind of through prayer, he, he revealed to us that we needed to start going to a church. So we uh, attended a church in Cedar Falls for uh, about a year. Um, I got involved in some recovery programs there, leading him. And um, ultimately, he put it on my heart to go back to school and equip myself to take this message of hope and and the reconciliation to the world around me. So uh, I'll graduate um, in January or in December, actually, with uh, a degree in religion, Christian counseling with a biblical studies minor. And, um, yeah, it's just been an incredible journey, to be honest with you. We ended up at Candale Church, uh, which is a cornerstone plant about six years ago. And I got involved with men there that have just been incredible influences in my life and super encouraging and led connection groups. And um, then it ended up getting involved in Celebrate Recovery at a smaller church in Cedar Falls a couple of years ago. So, Wow. So Lance, you and Amanda now together, your two boys, Dallas and Chase, right? Yes, sir. Here in Ames, settling in. And I mean, this question seems maybe self-apparent to people listening to this podcast. Like, I'm going to ask you, 
What is Celebrate Recovery and why is it a big deal to you? I mean, I think hearing your story, people kind of have this idea of, you know, Celebrate Recovery, it is bigger than addiction. We talk about it being a place for anybody who's struggling with the hurts, hangups, pains of life. It's a place to find hope and healing in Christ. You know, so yes, it's that, but it's also not less than helping people with a story like yours who hit rock bottom, figure out that there's, there's not a pit in their life that can be deeper than the grace of Christ can get to them. It's just Mm -hmm. a way to get Jesus to people, you know, but for you, when you're talking to people saying, what is celebrate recovery? And, And as people are thinking about it, why does it matter to you? Why would you want people to get involved in it? You know, if I were to say what is Celebrate Recovery really, Mark, it's just an, it's an extension of the church. It is a wonderful group that people can get connected in. Um, and I think that if people really think about it, everybody can have a place there. Um, you know, just to I, – I, um, I meet with people every week that uh, are recovering from uh, hurtful things in their lives, whether it's addiction – um, divorce recovery, codependency, mental issues, things like that. But there's really no, as we like to say, hurt, habit, or hang-up that uh, is out of Jesus's reach. You know, I was able to teach there yesterday, and that's exactly what I taught about it is that those things do not define us. It's who we are in Christ that defines us, and He has the final say above any addiction or disease or even death for that matter, you know, and and to be here and be able to allocate, you know, all my time to that and, and just to reach into a community and a, with an extension of a hand and, and help those in Jesus name is, uh, to be honest, it's probably one of the biggest blessings I've ever had in my life. Well, um, Lance, hearing your story, I, I, first off, I'm like, I might just go sell a recovery just to hang out with you. Because <laughs> <laughs> we can have such a good time. But I mean, for folks, that's that's part of it is it's an open door. It meets Monday evenings. What time do you guys start Monday evenings, Lance? Uh, we start at 630. And the way it'll look is we show up, we have a time of worship. Uh, we're going to open our Bibles together here from God's Word. There will either be a live testimony, someone sharing, you know, how God has worked in their lives, which is always, you know, nothing speaks to God more than a changed life. And to hear these stories of of victory and uh, reconciled relationships, reconciled families, um, victory over addiction, and just so many things, is it's so encouraging. And, and people find community through that. So we'll do that in what we call a large group, and then we break out into uh, an open share time, which is smaller groups, and we have, um, you know, a general share, which can be a lot of different things, and then we have sexual purity groups, we have addiction groups, just all kinds of groups where they, for they can go and get help and and share, you know, what their issues are for more of a, like a, an isolated or specific case. Okay. Well, I, man, I, 
I think it's an open invite to anybody listening to this. Anybody who you know someone who their story is so broken on the path of addiction, take this podcast and just forward it to them. (laughs) We're just trying to share the way that Jesus can meet people, you know, and Celebrate Recovery is one of those paths. And Lance, I, we've thanked God since you said yes. We're just so thankful you're here now, you know, on the team and part of the, the family here at Cornerstone Church. And as you, your family, you guys are kind of moving into town. Give me a couple things as I'm praying for you, as people who might listen to this podcast are praying for Celebrate Recovery or for you as you're joining the staff. What comes to mind for you as things we should pray for you about? Well, I think first before that, I'd just like to say thank you. Um, the staff and the the CR community and team here has been so loving, so invitational. And when we put our yes on the table to come down here from from Candeo, we it was hard, you know. It's incredible to to have a place that's hard to leave, and and Candeo is very much family to us. And that was our one of our number one things is we were asking for God to create community and um, love within the church uh, quickly as we left that behind. And um, He has more than just blown us away with the kindness and and love that has surrounded us. So I want to say thank you for that. Um, I would ask for prayers. Uh, my wife is starting a new journey and a new job next week. I would love for her to be prayed for through that as she begins uh, kind of this next uh, chapter in her life. And um, just pray for those that are here hurting in the community to uh, to know that they can come and, and find Jesus at Celebrate Recovery. And it doesn't matter who they are, um, what they've been through, what they've done, or maybe even what's been done to them, that Christ offers healing to all and that they can come on Monday nights and experience that. Well, Lance, I'm thankful for you. One of the things you've done since I've known you for months is text me regularly and just say, hey, I'm praying for you. What can I do to pray for you? And so for people listening to this to return a little bit of that gift of prayer, I hope that's something that will bless you and your family and for all of you listening, again, I just want to put a huge plug in here. You're hearing a little slice of the story of what God's ridden in Lance's life. And Celebrate Recovery is an opportunity for people who we feel like we've met Jesus the way that a beggar feels when they find a stash of bread. We're not going around bragging on ourselves. We're saying, oh, my goodness. Hey, other beggars, come over here. I found something incredible. Like, that's our heartbeat. We're, we're not people who are above people. We're just coming in as beggars who found life in Christ, saying, hey, this is an opportunity to meet him. And so, Lance, so thankful that you're part of the team. So thankful for your story of what God has done in your life and for the chance that you have to do ministry here. So welcome and thanks for joining us on the Equip Podcast. Thank you.